Good evening. I was here like a couple months ago preaching, and after I preached, surprisingly, shockingly, somebody said, oh, we'd love to have you back. And I, and I was thinking at that time, like, you know, I, I have school, and I've, you know, that's probably not going to happen for quite a, quite a bit of time, but then this opportunity came, and I'm so glad that it did happen. I'm glad to be back so soon. You can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Earlier this year, I, I, was, I was at home. I, I don't know if I was studying uh, or if I was focused on studying. I, I don't really exactly know what I was doing. I think it, I started in my room. But you know how it is when somebody needs somebody else, especially if you're in a larger family. And somebody was asking for one of my sisters. And, you know, one person might need that person a little bit, but if they don't find them, you know, really quickly, then they're like, okay, I'll just talk to them later. And soon it can, it can start to get to where people need them more and more, like maybe another person needs them a little bit more, so they go searching. And this is exactly what happened earlier this year. And soon we had the whole family searching more or less where is this person? Where do they go? And it got to the point where none of us were finding this particular sister. And so my dad called us all in the family room, in the living room, and, and he said, okay, has anybody seen them? Nobody had seen them. Okay, who saw them last and where were they? And this went on and we were calling outside, all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> So it got to the point where they were thinking about like calling the police. And nobody could find her anywhere. So I go outside and we kind of have a woods, a field behind our, behind our, our, our house. And you probably all know this, but there's a lot of people in this world that do a lot of really, really bad stuff that I won't really want to talk about um, to random people. And I've heard stories of that. And it doesn't, it's not pleasant to talk about, but I went out there, and, you know, slightly thinking about, okay, maybe. Um, and all of a sudden, my dad called me back. And I was out back there, and then he called me back, and I'm like, he didn't really have too much emotion on his face, so I didn't really know what was going on. So I come all the way back to the house, and probably for the sake of the neighbors, and once I got inside, he said, oh, we found her. She was outside in a very good hiding spot, and I think she had headphones on, which is why nobody could find her. <laughs> and... I tell you that story because I think oftentimes we forget the simplicity of Christianity and what we're really looking for. We, we, look for, we look for spiritual help and something to solve our problems in all kinds of different ways. And what we actually need is sitting right there. Is sitting right there. Now, you're in Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. This is where I'll start. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Are you all there? Okay. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And I want to focus on um, verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Rooted 
and built up in him. First of all, we see rooted, and we see these are two illustrations that Paul here is using about the Christian life. We see, first of all, rooted, and this reminded me of Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the steed of the sorrowful, but his delight is in Fox News. <laughs> and in sports does he meditate day and night. No, that's not what it says, right? We know what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the blessed man. In his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you want whatever you do to prosper? I certainly do. And if we're going to be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, abounding therein with thanksgiving, we need to be rooted. Now, let me ask you some questions. Do roots move? Big tree, do roots move? Yeah? She says down. Yeah? Do the roots themselves move? No, they don't move. Do they grow? Yeah, they grow. And we're supposed to be rooted in him. Our roots don't move, but they grow. And they should be growing deeper and deeper in him. Rooted in him. Then we also see built up in him. So Jesus is using one illustration of roots. Now he's using an illustration of built up. And this, this made, reminded me of Matthew chapter 7. The wise man and the foolish man, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Are you founded upon the rock? Or are you the foolish man? Hear these sayings of mine, do with them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now, how silly would that be? I mean, really think about that. Like, actually think, like, have you ever seen a house being constructed before? Imagine seeing walls and studs just on the sand. Like, no foundation. Like, they're just built, like, they just have wood on the ground and just walls and the drywalls touching the sand. Like, in the middle of the beach. Like, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, that, <laughs> just imagine that. Just really imagine that. And the winds blew and beat upon the house. Great was the fall of it. Now let me ask you the same questions. Does that foundation move? Does the house supposed to move? No. The house isn't supposed to move. Now in the construction stage, which is what Paul is referring to, does the house grow? Yeah, it grows. Oh, yeah, it grows. I, I, we have a house right down the street, and it was not in great shape. So one day I'm driving home from school, I think it was, and all of a sudden, that's not a house anymore over there. Yeah, they knocked it down, and they, they 
tore it all up, I think even the foundation, and they had to lay a new foundation. And it's been growing. This part and that part and this thing and that thing and been adding on top of it, but does it ever move? And Jesus never moves. Have you ever stopped to consider what our faith is founded on? It's, it's founded on the Bible. Have you ever thought about this? The Bible that you have in your lap. Like, what if we could take a big, what if we, let's say we took, on the computer, we just press delete for the Bible, and all the Bibles just disappeared. We, we just press backspace on the Bible. Like, the Bible's here, and we have a huge eraser, and we erase the Bible, and it's no longer. How much would we know about God? How much would we know about church? How many churches would there be? Like, what would you actually know about God, period? Like, maybe in some cultures you know maybe a little bit about a legend about Noah. That's very distorted. Maybe you know a little bit about Jesus if you really studied history. It's all found in this book. And this is what we have to be rooted and built up in. And this cannot move. This cannot move. But your roots should be growing in it. You should be built on it. And if you're built on this, you can never move. If you deleted this, you'd have society, you'd have culture, you'd have economics, you'd have politicians, but you wouldn't have churches, and you wouldn't know anything about God. And sometimes we're trying to go about the spiritual life and we want to do this thing and that thing for God and hopefully one day when I turn this age or one day when I hear the right message or come to know the right friend, then it will solve this problem and then hopefully I can solve that problem when I turn this age. And we miss the important thing that's right sitting right in front of us. This cannot move. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we know, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek, this, seek him. You won't even know those things if you didn't have the Bible. You won't even know that God is. And you certainly wouldn't know that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we try to have faith in our life for this and that and grow, and we miss the essential ingredient. The main thing. And you come maybe to church on Sunday and expect that to fulfill all your spiritual needs. Missing the fact that your roots are very shallow because they're only growing one day out of the week. The house is only being worked on one day of the week. Now, I understand God can work through other ways, but your faith can be built other ways. But this is the primary method. And this is the only reason why we know anything about God. The this is the only book that is 
actually alive. The Word of God is quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. What other book is like that? You read other books, and you have to conform to that book and, and try to gather from it and, and try to implement that in your life, and maybe, maybe it might help you. This book is much different. It's the only book that is actually alive, and his name is Jesus. And this can change you. It divides between the the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I can ask you, how can you be rooted in him, built up in him, established in the faith, for the long haul? It's by this book. And so often we look at so many different other things to satisfy our spiritual needs and Maybe we'll solve this problem or this addiction. And it's found in the book. And that's where you need to be rooted. That's where you need to be built up. It is by being changed by this book. You know, you take this, I mentioned this book is alive. You take this book, you make it into a man, and it's Jesus. And you take Jesus, and you make him into a book, and you get this. That's not original with me. It's alive. You see, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God abides forever. And let me tell you, throughout your life, no matter what age you are here, you're going to have people that fail you. You're going to have expectations that are unmet. And if you're depending on those people or this relationship to satisfy and solve your problems, you're going to miss it. Because those things, not all of them are going to fail you. You're going to have people that will help you to the very end, but not all of them. And they're not going to be perfect at it. The Word of God abides forever. If you are on this, if you're built on this foundation, if you're rooted in this foundation, You yourself cannot move. And I can ask you, how are your roots? What is your foundation made out of? Now in Psalm 119, David talks all about the Word of God, and you can actually turn there. And I'm not... Certainly not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 119. David, talking about the Bible. And you can ask, how is David successful in his life? How how is David this spiritual person that we can look up to? And it's from his love of the Word of God. Are you all in Psalm 119? Let's Let's look first at verse... 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Look at verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Do you delight yourself in his statutes? Delight. 
Okay, let's keep going. Verse 24, thy, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. How often do you go to another friend before you go to the friend and the book? Verse 31, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. My dad talks about this one time where uh, in dirt, he was dirt biking and he talks about getting stuck in a rut. And when you get stuck in a rut in a dirt bike path where there's a rut from dirt bikes, it's really hard to get out of that path. And you can actually end up tipping over. I've never done it myself, gone dirt biking. But I've heard it. And David is saying here, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. He always falls back on it. It's his first resort, not his last resort. Let's look at verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Can you say that? Can you say that? God's word is, is more to me. I'll, I'll pay any price for it. It's worth more than all the money I have, all the money that I, money that I could ever have. Okay, verse 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. 97, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Is your meditation all the day? I don't think any of us can say it's our meditation all the day. So we can still grow. I know that's a conviction to me. Verse 104, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. The alive book can make an alive person. Verse 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 119, thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I... Love, thy testimonies. Verse 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Verse 129, Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Are you getting the idea that David liked, liked God's book? Are you getting that idea? One, verse, look at verse 131, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Verse 149, hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. And I'll read a few other verses. Consider how I love thy precepts. Great peace have they which love thy law. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. And if you're anything like me, you look at all these verses, and you look how David was, and you think, someday, someday I'll just listen to the right message. I'll just go forward, or I'll make a decision at just the right time. I'll talk to just the right person, or read just the right book, and then I'll, then I'll have victory in this. And we forget how much David was in God's word, 
and that produced a love for God and for his word. And it's not, okay, I got to really love God and then I can really cook up some love for God and then maybe I can, I'll start really loving God and, and reading his book and, and getting established in the book. But it's not like that. It's an acquired love. See, if the Bible didn't exist, you wouldn't know anything about God. But since we have it, you go there first and your love for God comes. And it is a snowball effect. You want it more and then you want it more and you want it more. It's not something you can work up. It's a commitment that you make. Does love... If you're anything like me, you can see it so nebulously, like, oh, hopefully I can do this. If I love God and really think about it hard enough and really fix all my mistakes. But does love ever make vows? Does love ever make vows? Can you think of any? I mean, marriage is kind of obvious, right? <laughs> you think about that and you make vows right in front of everybody. I'm committing to this person and nobody else. You're making a sacrifice. And we see another place in the Bible that Jonathan made a vow, a covenant with David. This is his friend. And he made some sacrifices because of that. Love makes sacrifices. Love makes commitments like that. Love makes dedicated sacrifices. You think of different people that have made sacrifices because of love. You can think of, you know, a, a, a family that is struggling financially and they want to put their kids in a good education so they make big sacrifices in their life to have their kids there. Or maybe there's a, a, a single mom who really wants the discipline instilled in their kids and she wants them in, in sports and disciplined and she makes sacrifices, changes her life because she loves her kids. Did Jesus make any sacrifices because of love? Yeah. He certainly did. And I saw in your bulletin, we love him because he loved us, and we can never love him too much. But we have to understand it's not just nebulous, like hopefully I'll get there. No, it's from learning about God and his love and then we can love him. I'll give you one more example of Jesus. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then do what? Then just really feel good inside that you love me. I don't think that's what it says. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Make a sacrifice. Think about all the things that you have to do in a day. Like, really think. Don't just say, okay, 
he's just saying this. Now think about it. What did you do when you woke up? Did you eat breakfast? Did you get ready for the morning? Did you come to church? What happens on a normal day? Did you go to work? Did you do some dishes? Do you go out with friends? What do you do? What is the most important thing? What is the most important thing? And I'm telling you, it's by being rooted and grounded in God's word. I work construction and I work concrete. And so I had a college internship that I had to do, not this last summer, but the summer before that. So I worked with my dad kind of all through high school doing concrete work. And because I wanted to do some of my own jobs, I got a bunch of tools. So I got hand tools and, you know, power tools and uh, a float and all this kind of stuff. Bunch of tools, right, to do my, be able to do my own jobs. And I worked after my freshman year, and then I put all my tools away, nice, whatever, in the corner. And then they sat. And they sat, and they sat, and then I did my internship the next summer, and I didn't really touch them. And then they sat some more, and, and they sat some more. And I ended up this last summer using them again. What I'm trying to tell you is that you can have all the other stuff. You can have all the tools. I can have all my tools laid out here. I can be doing all the right things. I can have all my concrete tools set out here. I can have the form set up. I can have it graded and the pitches properly and the gravel is there and everything is ready to go. But if I don't have concrete, you can't do anything. I can sit there twiddling my thumbs. I can sit there all day and all night. Nothing's going to get done because... I'm missing the main thing. I'm missing the main ingredient. I saw an illustration of somebody tried this experiment with cookies, and they tried leaving out this ingredient and that ingredient and this thing and that. It was kind of funny. And I saw a picture of all of them and kind of read the description. But you know what <clears throat> none of them had left out? No, I, I, they left out sugar. No, they tried like everything. You know what they didn't leave out? What did they not leave out? Flour. They didn't leave out flour. Because you know what cookies are without flour? You know what a cake is without a flour? It's not a cake. It's not a cookie. Period. You're going to have a, a bunch of goose sitting there. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you can have all the right things. You can be hearing all the right things. But if you're missing the main thing, if you're not in the book, if you're not getting grounded, established for yourself, and not just the pastor, not just the more spiritual people, for yourself, and then you can never move. Because if you're grounded on this book, it doesn't matter who does this, who does that, what circumstances are brought in my life, you can't move. Because this isn't going to move. And it is the main thing. And if you're missing that main thing, what do you really have? 
And I can tell you my testimony, and I'm saying this is totally by the grace of God, but I can tell you, back in high school, I had a terrible time actually reading God's Word for myself. Terrible time. I go weeks sometimes without touching God's Word. Oh, I touched in church. And it was a pattern, and I couldn't break it. I couldn't do anything about it. I tried, and I tried, and this and that, and I couldn't do it. Until I heard a story in a church service, and it so moved me. What am I doing? What am I doing without the main thing? And God so worked in my heart, I got out of that service and I said, God, whatever it takes. And God just led me. Okay? You know what? When you get up in the morning, don't eat until you read the word. And God has added kind of technology to that as well. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm not saying this to brag. But since that time, I could probably count on less than five, less than my five-fingered hand how many times I've missed reading God's Word in a day. Not that I've been perfect, not exactly eating or technology, but I made a vow to God. Did we talk about that? Does love ever make covenants? And I covenant with God to the point that when I don't do that, I confess to God. I shouldn't have ate, you know. I love breakfast. I don't know if you're like that. <laughs> I love it. I can have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast. <laughs> but I made a commitment. This is going to be the most important thing. And whereas before my life was huge spiritual roller coaster. I'd do really good and go out soul winning a lot, but I never had a foundation. So I'd go on this huge emotional roller coaster and then you have huge ups and huge lows. And I can tell you, once you get on a firm foundation, you don't have that anymore because it's not moving. Oh, I'm growing. I'm being built up in him, but it's not moving. And I don't, honestly, I don't care what my friends do. I don't care what happens. As long as I stay rooted and built up on this book, I cannot move. And it's not a pleasant fact. There's missionaries, there's people in Bible college, missionaries of all ages that quit. That quit. They desert. And they say, okay, I've had enough. That's, I'm done. Freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors in college, people in seminary, Missionaries that are just out on deputation. Missionaries that get all the way to the field. Missionaries that go for five years and ten years. Twenty years. Okay, I quit. I'm done. And somewhere along the line, they forgot where their roots were. They forgot the main thing. And those stories aren't, aren't pleasant stories and it's not for me to judge other people, but I can look at that and say, what went wrong? Somewhere, 
And it's not always evident immediately. Sometimes you can, you think you're doing good still. Sometimes you're going without God's word and, okay, then I listen to this message and this and you think you're doing good for a little bit and you think you're, you're still okay. Okay, maybe, I, maybe that's not really the secret to all my problems since I'm still doing fine. But I'm telling you, there will come a day if you're not grounded on that book that your house will fall flat. And the main thing is right in front of you. You don't have to go looking for it. It's right in front of you. You know that tree that dies doesn't always fall right away. Some trees, it can take a couple days to fall after a tree dies. Some trees, it takes a couple years to, for a dead tree to fall. And I want to tell you, sometimes what you really need is sitting right in front of you. My sister was there all along. Sometimes what you really need, and I submit what is what you really need, is sitting right in front of you. And we heard about Reese Howells, a world changer. He was steadfast always abounding in the work of the Lord, just like God wants you and for every believer. And the only way, the only way is if you're grounded on this book. If your roots, if you're rooted in Him. If your foundation is Him. Let's pray.